Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we move from the doctrine of election to the doctrine of our redemption in Christ. Today's teaching is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. To understand redemption, take your mind to the slave market of New Testament times. The basic meaning of redemption is that you have been bought out of the slave market of sin and guaranteed a future of freedom in the presence of God. Please follow along with Pastor Harris as he explains this doctrine in today's slice of this week's message entitled, In Him We Have Redemption. Our redemption is in Christ, and it is among the things called every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is a huge part of the solution to our sin problem. We've been redeemed, no longer a slave to sin. Romans three twenty three and 24, we Love to, when we present the gospel, read Romans 3.23. A lot of times we don't read on to verse 24. That passage says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's part of the gospel because the good news doesn't mean anything unless you know the bad news that it's the answer to. And the bad news is we're all alienated from God because of our sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified as a gift by His grace, what? Through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Remember as I said, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, now we're just branching out to see all of the stuff that is part of that collection of every spiritual blessing. Now you know the meaning of redemption. Now you know the obvious person of redemption. It's Jesus Christ. What about the price of redemption? Back to verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions. Through His blood tells us the price of redemption. Through is the translation of a preposition that means the instrument by which something is accomplished. Redemption is accomplished through His blood. Only through the blood, which refers to the death Only through the death of Jesus Christ is redemption accomplished. His blood is a euphemism for His death. It's crucial to understand what the New Testament means when it so often speaks so highly about the blood of Christ or His blood. Now, there's no reason to believe that the blood that flowed in Jesus' veins was different from what you and I know as blood or what flows in our veins. There's no reason to believe that His blood was chemically different than ours. I have heard some preachers say that every drop of Jesus' blood that was shed at the cross was gathered up and is in heaven as a perpetual memorial. That's not what it's talking about. It's not precious blood in that sense. If Jesus was working in his father Joseph's, his earthly father Joseph's carpenter shop, and he 
made a, a mistake and uh, cut his finger and dripped blood on someone, that wouldn't save them, wouldn't heal them, wouldn't do anything except cause a stain. Now, you can have your lunch discussion over, well, would a perfectly sinless one ever make a mistake and cut his finger? I don't know, all right? Maybe his dad made a mistake and cut Jesus' finger. Uh, you know, it'll work, all right? The illustration will work. The point is, it's not the physical blood. The significance of the expression, the blood of Christ, is that it refers to his death. Blood is a Hebrew equivalent of the phrase to shed blood, which is a way of describing death by violence as opposed to a natural death. Therefore, redemption through his blood means redemption accomplished by his violent death in which his blood was, if you will, spilled as a sacrifice. All of those Old Testament bloody sacrifices pictured over and over and emphasized countless tens of thousands of times that sin had to be atoned for by the giving of a life. There's a verse you need to know. Remember this reference or, and or memorize this verse. It's in the book of Leviticus, smack dab in the middle of all of those regulations about all of those sacrifices. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. You would come to the priest, you would bring the animal for the sacrifice, the priest would kill the animal, slaughter the animal, and then some of the blood would be sprinkled on the altar. That was the way of showing that that blood covered your sin. That was the picture of Christ in every blood sacrifice. But always the animal had to die. You couldn't bring your perfect pet lamb and bring it to the priest and have him, you know, like a diabetic does, you know, prick his paw and get a drop of blood and put it on the altar and then put a Band-Aid on the paw and wait for the next sacrifice. No, the animal had to be given because it's the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement for sin. I don't know if they still use the slogan, but the Red Cross used to say, give life, give blood. They probably had no idea what great theology they were stating, even if they didn't apply it anywhere near the right way. The price of your redemption was the death of Jesus Christ. And because of who he is, the, the sinless God-man who lived the perfect life, his sacrificial death is special. That's what gives meaning to the term, the precious blood of Christ. So in Ephesians 1.7... In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Don't get weird about the actual blood that flowed through Jesus' body. Be thankful for His death. Oh, and by the way, you've heard the theme song of the angels in heaven, the one they burst out with when Jesus 
the lamb that was slain, remember he comes up to God the Father, the one who sits on the throne, and he, and he takes the scroll that contains all of the revelation of what is going to happen in the unfolding of the, of the day of the Lord. And he takes that and all of the angels burst out. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the blood and to, or take the book rather, and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You're worthy because you are the Redeemer. So now you know the meaning of redemption, the person of redemption, the price of redemption. Now look at the result of redemption. There's a parallel statement to the word redemption. And when I say that, in this very complicated Greek sentence, it is an exact parallel. Redemption, which is the forgiveness of our trespasses. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, comma, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Trespasses is one of about nine different words in the New Testament to describe sins. Lots of different ways of sinning. There's lots of different ways of describing sin. The usual word for sin, like we saw in Romans 3.23, means to miss the mark. Anything short of perfection. You miss the bullseye, it's an archery term. Miss the bullseye, that's a hamartia. That's a, that's a sin. But this one describes sins as um, fa- falling to the side or stepping out of bounds. Another way of describing a sin. Forgiveness comes from a Greek word that means to let go, to send away, or to depart. So forgiveness of sins means releasing or letting go of them as if they had not been committed. There's a wonderful Old Testament illustration of this idea, also from the book of Leviticus. This one from the events of the annual Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, if you like to... um, Laps Hebrew about it. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 3 through 10. It's all in the context of all the things that the priests had to do to make sacrifices for themselves, for the utensils, for the altar, for the whole place that it was going to be offered. But it also describes two goats. Goat number one then is described in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 15. Then he shall slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, that's into the Holy of Holies, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull. There was a bull offered before this, obviously. And sprinkle it on the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Again, animal had to die. Then the blood brought in and sprinkled on the altar symbolically saying, this is offered on behalf of all of these people. Oh, and by the way, here's a little tidbit. That word mercy seat, you know what the mercy seat is? That's the, that's the lid on top of the Ark of the Covenant, that gold-plated lid. And that mercy seat is called a 
hilasterion, if you translate it into Greek, that's the word that is the Greek, uh, the New Testament word for propitiation. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.